Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Paul Wood of the BBC and Jacob Halbrun, who is editor of The National Interest. And we are going to be talking about the stunning, shocking, terrifying, say what you like about it, news that Paul Manafort has been charged guilty on eight counts. And Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, has pleaded guilty to eight counts. This is not looking good for the Trump administration at the moment. But how bad is it? So, Paul and Jacob, thank you very much for joining us. Yesterday did appear to be a catastrophic day for Donald Trump. Certainly, most of the press seems to be saying that this was the worst day of the Trump presidency so far. Paul, I'll start with you. Is this is this the beginning of the end for Donald Trump, or is it too early to say? Well, you should never count Donald Trump out. People made the mistake of doing that many times during the campaign. Not the end, perhaps not the beginning of the end, but if Trump's enemies are right, the end of the beginning. And this isn't necessarily because of Paul Manafort, Trump's campaign manager, being convicted of tax evasion. It is because of what Michael Cohen may or may not know. And there was a quite jaw-dropping moment when Lanny Davis, who's Cohen's lawyer, went around the American networks last night, hinting that Trump had prior knowledge of the Russian operation to hack the American election. He didn't come right out and say that. And by the way, I think it was a signal from Cohen to Trump getting Davis in the first place to represent him. He is an ultra-loyalist to the Clintons. So Davis is hinting that Donald Trump knew something about Russian hacking. And if that is the case, that is the allegation of collusion, which for the past two years, the president's enemies have been making. Jacob, you said on the Spectator USA blog last night, on your Spectator USA blog last night, that the Trump presidency has, has now imploded within within two years. Do you stand by that assessment in the cold light of the early morning in California where you are? Absolutely, Freddie. And it's sunny here as well. <laughs> Paul is right that it is it is not the end of Trump, but it is certainly, in my view, not a, but perhaps the turning point for Trump's presidency. Until now, he has been consistently on the offensive painting Mueller fairly successfully as a craven agent of the deep state who is intent on robbing the Republicans of the fruits of their electoral victory in 2016. With the double whammy of the conviction of the of the uh, conviction yesterday of Paul Manafort and the guilty pleas of Michael Cohen, I think Trump is very much on the back foot now, and his appearance in West Virginia at the rally last night, where he is widely expected to launch into vituperative tirades against his opponents, turned out to be something of a damp squib. So I think that we will increasingly see a besieged and embattled Donald Trump, who will most likely be psychologically unable to cope with the mounting pressure on him. And in that regard, I do think it's very reminiscent of the crack up, the mental crack up that Richard Nixon experienced in 1974. Well, he, he may have avoided talking about it at the rally in West Virginia last night, but uh, he seems to be rediscovering his counterpunching instincts this morning. Jacob, I'll, I'll stay with you for now. Uh, he's just tweeted that Michael Cohen uh, pled guilty to two counts of campaign vi- finance violations that, that are not a crime. 
President Obama had a big campaign finance violation and it was easily settled. So he, he seems to be punching back. Do you think, do you think he, he, he's got a point there? I think you're, you're bound to see a, a, a lot of whataboutism, which, which Trump has always done. And you'll see a certain number of Republicans trying to nitpick this and spin it. But I don't think that Trump will be able to do this successfully because of the amount of enemies that he has attracted, ranging from Omarosa, who aired one of her videotapes last night showing Cohen on Air Force One, thereby trying to debunk Trump's claim that Cohen had no real influence or sway during the presidential campaign. You have Michael Avenatti. You have the Cohen so I, I'm skeptical that Trump will be able to weather this unless, of course, the Republicans were to retain their majorities in Congress. But that, too, seems increasingly improbable. So the, the real question perhaps isn't Trump, but how long will the Republican Party stand by him? And, Paul, I, I think, you know, to me yesterday, the most damning part of it for Trump was the implication in, in in his lawyers, Cohen's pleading pleading guilty to eight counts, the implication that he had been involved in the hush money to to porn stars. Um, I, I think that, that to me felt like the most damning as far as the public are concerned. But in your piece, you say that's pretty much baked in, I think, in your piece in The Spectator this week, you say that that's pretty much accounted for and everybody knew that was the Donald Trump that had been elected. Still, I, I can't help thinking that, you know, if, if that is in violation of campaign finance, combined with the effect on public opinion that will have ahead of the, the midterms, that could be quite seriously damaging for him. Well, is anybody really truly shocked that Donald Trump slept with a porn star, got hush money paid to a porn star? Nobody. I think that's a, a collective shrug of the shoulders. Of course, mechanics of that get you involved in all sorts of questions of wire fraud, tax evasion, and illicit campaign contributions, as Michael Cohen is finding out now. But the real question is what Cohen might know about the Russia conspiracy, as his, Mr. Trump's enemies would call it, the Russia hoaxes his supporters would call it. In the Christopher Steele dossier, it was alleged that Michael Cohen went in the summer of 2016 to Prague to meet Russian hackers and Russian intelligence people. That is the locus of the conspiracy, if it exists. If he has done this plea deal, which um, the outline of which seems to be in the public negotiations we've seen, that is exactly what Robert Mueller will be asking about. And that is collusion, conspiracy, treason, whatever you want to call it. And I found, I mean, for, for Donald Trump not to tweet for 18 hours, one hour is a thousand years on Twitter. He stayed silent about this whole matter until just now, just as we're speaking. I think he's been quite stunned by the turnaround in this, and he sees the very grave peril that he's in. Jacob, it certainly seems like a, a one-two punch from the the anti-Trump movement, or at least the the Mueller inquiry, or the or the whatever you want to call it, the big state conspiracy. Certainly, if I was a Trump fan, I would be feeling that this is a deep state conspiracy. The the timing of it seems almost suspicious. That uh, these two huge bombshells against Trump land at the same time. How do you think Trump supporters will be feeling about it today? Are they so with Trump now that there is nothing that can, can be said about Trump that will put them off? How many people who would probably vote for Trump might be thinking, actually, this is 
pretty revolting and, and vote against the Republicans in the midterms. There will be a certain amount of slippage, but the, the hardest of the hardcore is not going to deviate. There was about 23% support for Richard M. Nixon that never deviated. And overall, it's hard for a Republican president to go below 35 because even then the tribal instincts were, were already manifesting themselves, though, they're, though they weren't as extreme as they are today. I think Trump's supporters can easily spin this and say that it's all the more important to support the president as he's being besieged by nefarious forces inside the government. And doubtless Trump himself will, will double down on this theory. Now, amusingly, some of the QAnon followers have professed to be bewildered by this turn of events. Just to explain, Jacob, QAnon, for our, for, for our British listeners, QAnon is the conspiracy theory that the world is run by a cabal of strange paedophiles and that Donald Trump's going to take it down. Well, no one knows who QAnon is. The speculation ranges from everyone from Melania to, uh, Stephen to Miller. Michael Cohen as, as, or Steve Miller being QAnon. No one, no one knows. But... Trump is not like Nixon in the sense that he, he, he will try and fight this as vigorously as he can. But again, I don't think that it's going to be easy for him to extricate himself from this, this mess. And what Paul was saying earlier is, is quite right. The, the Michael Cohen thing, if, if he can demonstrate that he was in fact in Prague or Maybe he met with Russian intelligence agents in, in another city, Cyprus or, or, or elsewhere. That, again, I think would, would truly constitute a devastating blow to Trump. And, and personally, I have no doubt that Trump was engaged in shenanigans of this order with, without us knowing the precise details. And even I would say it's probably much worse than, than we realise. The Steele dossier probably is only the tip of the iceberg. And Paul, I suppose the big question now is, uh, will this mean impeachment? And if there is enough slippage, as Jacob calls it, in the midterms and the Democrats win the House by a reasonable margin, impeachment will then move forward, almost certainly, will it not? And what would be the kind of mechanism? Could you tell us a bit about how that might play out? Well, the numbers look very bad for the Republicans at the moment. One former Trump aide said, this is like catching a falling knife. There's no way we're going to come out of this. And a Democratic Party majority in the lower house means subpoenas. It means committees in the hands of Democratic chairmen. It probably means articles of impeachment. The trial would then be in the Senate. Conviction is two thirds. Uh, we're obviously a very, very long way from that scenario. It's going to take many months to play out. But in the meantime, I think the calculation of many Republicans at the moment is if they get on the wrong side of Fox News, if they get on the wrong side of Trump in the question of the Russia inquiry, they will be facing, come election time, a primary challenge from somebody that Steve Bannon puts up. And that is a very powerful incentive to remain on side. As with President Nixon, it's, it's like the walls start to crumble a little at first, and then there's a collapse. You'll see people making that calculation that Trump is no longer anybody to be feared. And then I think you'll see people starting to peel away. But as I said at the beginning of this, people have written him off in the past. He is not Richard Nixon in that the one thing he's got going for him, not charm, not humor, not intelligence, not an ability with words, but an absolutely cast iron, rock solid, impenetrable ego. That is what will see him through this crisis if he does survive. 
And Jacob, you said earlier that you think the psychological pressure will start to overwhelm Trump now. Paula seems to be taking a different position. No, I'm. I'm. I don't disagree with 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 his analysis. I, I would say that it's colossal narcissism and and vanity, and the inability to acknowledge that he has to play by any rules. He's gotten away with everything all his life, and he's he's just moved. He's had his lawyers clean up his messes, and he jumps on his little gilded airplane and jets off to the next fiasco. That's been the pattern throughout his life. This time, I would be surprised, given the stakes, if, if he can pull it off. And really, the, the, the pivotal event will be these midterm elections. The Senate Republicans are not going to bolt on, on Trump at this point. So, the, the, it, you know, we're, we're, we're engaging in speculation here. I just... I think it's clear that Trump is in a much weaker position, much faster than most people had anticipated. That's what I think is, is surprising about this. Is it, it took six years for Nixon to go down, and Trump seems to be, does seem to be imploding at a much faster rate. And lastly, and just quickly, Paul, because I, I know you've got to go. I mean, we've had so many moments in the last two years where I think a lot of people who follow journalists who follow this story have got excited and said, this is it. I think both of you today feel that, that this is a bigger turning point against Trump. But I mean, could it could we easily be eating our you could you easily be eating your words, I should say, <laughs> in a few in, in a few days time? Look, we, we don't know what Karen is saying. We don't know the truth of the Prague meeting. It's a series of ifs, if the Prague meeting took place and if Cohen talks about it. So uh, at the moment, uh, all depends on Robert Mueller, who was not leaked. We have no clue as to what he knows now. And maybe there are bigger and worse surprises there, as Jacob says, than the things we have read in the Steele dossier. Maybe Mr. Trump is right and that politically motivated people are taking (laughs) things which I think even he must now acknowledge look bad and spinning them into a whole conspiracy and a hoax. Uh, It is still all to play for. And uh, my question is whether Robert Mueller will now feel he has to make some kind of report before he goes into perda for the, and what will be in that report, especially on the issue of of obstruction of justice. So many of this debate goes back to what Trump did in business, what relationship he had with the Russians, what was done in the campaign. But there was a very stark issue of what he said in the Oval Office to James Comey, the FBI director, We might be hearing about that before people go to vote. Well, it'll be very interesting to watch. Thanks both for joining us. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator Moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer.